0: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Liscoe, along with your host, James Rapine. We'll be joined by Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens in segments two and three today. We're going to get an update on... The many, many COVID cases in Baltimore, the many injuries in Baltimore, what's going on at quarterback, whether Wink Martindale will be less stubborn and adjust the way he plays against Joe Burrow. But before we get there, James, some exciting news, some accolades, and maybe a snub or two. We're going to talk... Pro Bowl. Go ahead. Pro Bowl. No, that was it.
2: Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Pro Bowl is in. The ballots have been cast. They've been counted, and... One, two, three Bengals have made the Pro Bowl, and let's start with. Uh, well, they're all first-time Pro Bowlers, so we'll start with Jamar Chase, Mister Number One, fifth overall, is going to his first Pro Bowl as a rookie. Trey Hendrickson, Mister I get a sack every single week and shake off you know broken backs, is going to the Pro Bowl, as is Joe Mixon, who. Look at me just mixing in the news. Practiced in full on Wednesday after he shook off a sprained ankle, and uh, is going to his first Pro Bowl. And uh, there's uh, a bunch of things, but it, it is interesting. So Chase is the fifth Bengals rookie ever uh, to be voted to the Pro Bowl at any position. He joins AJ Green, and I'm I'm and I uh, let's see Isaac Curtis. And Chris Collinsworth. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Okay. So there were three other wide receivers. Lamar Parrish was the only non-wide receiver uh, to be a rookie uh, pro bowler, but it's still pretty cool.
1: Continues a rich tradition of high quality Cincinnati Bengals wide receivers. And there really is a rich tradition of really good wide receiver play in Cincinnati. Jamar Chase. Just going by the traditional statistics that Pro Bowl voters often use, and including fans, obviously got off to the torrid start this season, just torching everybody, including the 200-yard game against Baltimore that we'll talk about with Kevin in a little bit. But amongst past receivers in the NFL, this includes tight ends because there's a couple ahead of him. Jamar Chase ranks ninth in the NFL in receiving yards at 1,038. At this point, he ranks tied for third in the NFL with Adam Thielen for touchdowns, receiving touchdowns behind Cooper Cup and Mike Evans. And his average yards per catch is kind of hard to figure out the rating when you start to have cutoffs for for how many receptions are required. But Debo Samuel at 17.8 is the only guy that's really in contention here with an appreciable number of catches ahead of Jamar Chase's 17 yards per catch. So some really impressive stuff from the Bengals rookie, uh, Joe Mixon, obviously second in the NFL in rushing yards, having a big year, 12 touchdowns, ranks third in the NFL behind Jonathan Taylor and James Conner. So those guys makes a lot of sense. Trey Hendrickson, very easy. When you have that many sacks, you're going to go to the Pro Bowl. Joe Burrow. What gives? I, I get that the AFC is is maybe a little bit tough to crack for the Pro Bowl, especially with mm-hmm. the national love for Justin Herbert and then the cases that can pretty easily be made and have been made. I assume for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, but no love for Joe Burrow is is a little bit surprising. I guess there can only be three quarterbacks, and Joe Burrow's mm-hmm. touchdown pace has fallen off. But as we've discussed, he's been great this year, and I feel like. This might be a little bit of a snub. I don't know. What do you think, yeah. James?
2: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And just to put a bow on the, the alternates, because I haven't gone into those yet. Joe Burrow and Clark Harris both second alternates. Then we have Sam Hubbard, Larry Ogan, as fourth alternates, and Mike Hilton a fifth alternate. But you know, Burrow has a, a realistic path, I think, you know, as a second alternate. Uh, To go to the Pro Bowl, depending on what happens, Um, you know, there's guys that turn it down all the time. And who knows with COVID and everything, if they're actually even going to have a game. Uh, I don't I don't know if they've decided that or not this year. Obviously, that did not happen last year. Um, Either way, I agree with you. Like you look at the AFC. I put Burrow on a high like. The interceptions don't tell the story. I, I went on a radio station in Cleveland earlier on, on Wednesday afternoon, and guess what they asked about the interceptions. Even though I praised Burrow, like that's part of it is is people see that and they're like, ah, oh, young quarterback turning the ball over a ton. And I just think he does so much. That's why he should be in the the comeback player of the year race, and maybe at this point, maybe the favorite, even though he's not according to any odds maker, including uh, BetOnline.ag, the the number one spot for all your betting needs, but. Um, I agree with you. Like if, if I think you're comeback player of the year, or potentially that, and I think he very much could be that, could you argue that he should be ahead of Justin Herbert? Potentially, especially with what he's working with, because again, I think he's rising everybody up a bit and, and helping everybody get to a level. Where, you know, Because a, a lot of people would say this Bengals team's a year ahead of schedule if they win the division, and we'll see. Maybe he leads them to the division title. And if he does, then that'll certainly feel like a snub.
1: And sometimes what happens here is there's just that that year of lag as well. Like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are just assumed to be the best quarterbacks in the AFC and Justin Herbert's a highlight reel. And so these things contribute, I think, to some degree as well. But Joe Burrow talked in his press conference on Wednesday about how he's now starting to feel like himself. He now is starting to feel comfortable in the pocket again, comfortable stepping up, comfortable running, comfortable doing all the things that made him, uh, separated him beyond just his ability to throw, the things that made him able to create off-script. He's now starting to feel these things again. And he won't admit that he's playing better now than he's played all year. He probably thinks he's played pretty well this year, and he'd be right. But I just continue to be more and more impressed when we look at him on a snap-by-snap basis at Mm -hmm. the way he's moving, his continued accuracy, especially with this pinky injury and that he continues to seem to get better every week. And I know he's a young quarterback who should still be learning, but he's been good this year, and I think he's still ascending. It's just the touchdowns and the stats haven't been as gaudy maybe, and that's part of what's happened here.
2: Yeah, I agree um, with that, the, the touchdown numbers. every I, The stats in general, you know, his yards and everything dropped down some. I will say that uh, to me, and and, and he kind of said it today, was he is – uh, playing his best ball. He said he's feeling more comfortable. All of those things kind of admitted it without saying it, but certainly from a physical standpoint is as comfortable as he's been uh, post ACL injury. And then the other thing here, I'm going to answer my own question. The 2022 Pro Bowl is going to be televised on ABC and ESPN on Sunday, February 6th at 3 p.m. Eastern from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So there you go. There is a game. It does plan on being played, and uh, who knows? Maybe Joe Burrow can sneak in. Uh, speaking of snubs, though, if Mike Hilton, and I like Mike Hilton a lot, is going to be a fifth alternate, my guy Cheeto Awuzier can't get any love. Be Owuzie has been better than Mike Hilton this year. That's not a take. I think Mike Hilton will probably say that. That's weird, 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 weird. The voting and, and stuff like that, like, doesn't take a a brain surgeon or a, a football coach or a football evaluator to to tell you that twenty-two has been uh, the best cornerback on the Bengals. The
1: the other one that really stands out to me is DJ Reader just can't get any love. Not not listed there at all.
2: Totally and agree. Totally
1: agree. Like I, I know Larry Yogan Jovi has seven sacks this year, or whatever the official number is, and he he's been fine as a flashy pass rushing three tech. DJ Reader is he might still be the best player on the defense. Like he's certainly in the conversation. He is the glue that makes our front seven work. He is part of the reason that these guys around him, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, and Larry Ogunjobi are alternates or pro bowlers this year. And I mean, come on, what are we doing here? NFL let's, let's figure out how to recognize quality nose tackle play NFL fans, players, coaches. I don't care who you are. I don't, I don't know who's doing these votes, but DJ Reader's been great this year. And uh, of all of the snubs, I, that that might be the biggest one to me because he's not even on the alternate list. And that's crazy. Coming up next, we're joined by Kevin Ostriker, Locked on Ravens. And we'll do our crossover as we prepare for Ravens week number two.
2: No one plays fantasy football to lose. And. Let's be honest. It might not just be fantasy football. Maybe you play fantasy basketball, all different types of fantasy. And with the fantasy football playoffs going on right now, maybe you're eliminated. Well, stat hero is going to save the day, not just this week, but every week because it's the first of its kind. It's daily fantasy sports where you play the house one on one winner, take all. And the crazy part is, is stat hero shows you their lineups before you play. So, you know, their hand, you can see, what they have in their hand, and you just got to put together a team to beat it. It's a never-before-seen innovation of fantasy sports and bet, sports betting hybrid that has Stat Hero players clocking odds that are over four times better than where you're going to get elsewhere. So check them out right now at StatHero.com, and you can sign up for free right there, StatHero.com slash locked on, and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 100% deposit match. Again, it's simple. Stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. One last time, stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on. Terms and conditions do apply.
1: The Bengals are taking on the Ravens this week. That means it's time on Thursday for another locked on Bengals, locked on Ravens crossover episode. I'm Jake Lisko, the co host of the Locked On Bengals podcast with James Rapine joined today by Kevin Ostriker as we get into this Ravens-Bengals part two matchup of the 2021 season. But Kevin, we need to start with COVID. Unfortunately, as the Ravens added five guys to the COVID list on Wednesday, yes, it's easier for players to come off the COVID list now, especially if they're asymptomatic and vaccinated. But Questions have to be out there at this point after three games were postponed last week, which the NFL wanted to cancel, by the way, until J.C. Treder and the Players Union advocated for a postponement. Is this game going to happen on time? The, The Ravens apparently had 13 defensive players at practice on Wednesday. Kevin, what's the situation in Baltimore?
0: Yeah, the situation, Jake, is is between injuries and COVID. The Ravens are down a lot of guys. And obviously, the NFL is not going to postpone anything for injuries, right? This is, a, this is a COVID situation where I think if guys are testing positive on Friday or Saturday for the Ravens, then you could probably hear some talk of postponement, especially if we hear some more news even on Thursday about one or two Ravens on there. You're right, 13 defenders, healthy defenders practice for the Ravens on Wednesday, that's just not enough and and the issue is it's also not just the active roster it's practice squad players and so you could say oh they can just call up guys on their practice squad they don't have that because they are losing some of their practice squad defensive backs and some practice squad receivers now you're right if guys are asymptomatic and vaccinated they produce a negative test, and all all the pizzazz of the protocols for the nfl they can come back so it's going to be key to see who comes back over the next couple of days here but if the Ravens don't have enough players, if they keep losing guys, and if it's a threat to not just the Ravens, but also the Bengals, if the Ravens and Bengals stood up on Sunday and there was a guy who tested positive on Saturday for the Ravens and he spread it to his teammate who plays on Sunday, but he hasn't been tested or this, that, and the other, it could start an outbreak in Cincinnati, which no one wants. And I think for this game in particular, you have to weigh just, you know, a big divisional matchup with the the health and safety of these guys.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. The, the thing about COVID that's so tough, and I asked Zach Taylor this on Wednesday, Chidobe Awuzie is on the COVID-19 reserve list, the Bengals' number one corner. And it's not like you can do anything but hope and just kind of plan on them not being there until they get cleared and can come back. It's not like a sprained ankle or anything. And that's that, to me, is the like the juggle, right? Especially if you get into these outbreaks, what Cleveland had to deal with, what Baltimore is currently dealing with is juggling everything and not just getting guys out there, but figuring out which guys could potentially come back, right? Like is Sammy Watkins going to be out there and he's not like, he's the most important, but that that certainly does matter, right? If you have Sammy Watkins versus you don't have Sammy Watkins. And that's just one of the, uh, the many, like you said, Kevin, so that, uh, I don't envy John Harbaugh right now, I guess, long story short, because it's a tough situation.
0: Yeah, it it is. And what COVID is now doing is it's running through positional groups. So, you know, obviously you have those guys in meeting rooms together and whatnot. The Ravens, you know, they they conducted their interviews virtually yesterday on Wednesday. So they're in those protocols, but the Ravens have three outside linebackers at this point in Tyus Owe, and Jalen Ferguson, their defensive backs are shot due to injuries and COVID. Now they played with about Just two of their starters that they had on the docket for their 2021 season at the start of the year. They didn't have Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters. They had Chuck Clark in the protocol, Jimmy Smith in the protocol. They're adding inside linebackers now, core special teamers. You know, it's just it's hitting all their positions. And you know, if it gets to the quarterback position, it gets to another big position. There, it starts spreading throughout the entire team, and it's not something you really want to deal with. You know, for for the Bengals guys, I am interested because. This is a team that's done so well. They've used momentum extremely well this season. They're obviously now at first place in the AFC North, and a postponement could affect both teams in multiple ways. But I think for a divisional matchup like this, you know, both teams are dealing with injuries. The Ravens, you know, I could go on for hours about their injuries, but what are the Bengals dealing with on an injury front right now? Uh, Joe Mixon obviously is a talking point at this stage. How's he doing on the rest of the Cincinnati roster?
1: I don't think it's anything approaching the severity that, that Baltimore is dealing with. The big ones, I think, as James mentioned, Chidobe Abouzier on the COVID list, and that is truly a toss-up. But Trey Waynes did just come off of IR, so one of the two guys they were expecting to start for them at corner is currently available, and I don't know if Trey Waynes would be a starter if Cheeto were healthy because of, I can't believe I'm saying this, the play of Eli Apple the mid-season acquisition on the other side as he's started to exceed expectations a little bit. But outside of that, the, the other big one is, is Riley Reef, the right tackle. Uh, he's on IR. He may or may not be back this year as he's dealing with a sprained ankle that was getting worse. They have uh, a lot of injuries at the linebacker position that we talked about on Lockdown Bengals yesterday. They're down to one healthy two healthy 53-man roster linebackers in in Jermaine Pratt and last year's seventh-round pick Marcus Bailey. So it's a lot of practice squad guys for depth at linebacker. But by and large, the Bengals still a relatively healthy team. Joe Mixon is dealing with the ankle, but Zach Taylor seemed optimistic, said he would practice on Wednesday. Joe Burrow's talking about maybe needing off-season surgery on his pinky finger, but doesn't really seem to be something that is affecting him in games. At least not obviously affecting him in game, so he seems to be managing whatever that is quite well. So outside of those things, you know they're they're relatively healthy with the starters at the rest of the offensive line at this point, the rest of the wide receivers, tight ends, the defensive line. You know Trey Hendrickson had the back scare a couple weeks ago. He's back and seems to be in playing shape. The safeties are relatively healthy. So all things considered, I would say unless I'm missing something, James that that you heard about today on Wednesday, I would say the Bengals relatively healthy right now in this game. And I think that the big question beyond COVID comes to quarterback and Lamar Jackson still not practicing on Wednesday. And, you know, there's apparently some talk on the internet about Lamar Jackson, not being the best talk about the Ravens. We're going to rise above. We're not going to engage with that chatter, but, is Lamar Jackson going to be healthy for this game? It sounded like there was some optimism, and then he didn't practice on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, well, I know the Ravens certainly hope so, and he did not practice on Wednesday. You're correct there, Jake. And you know the Ravens feel confident in their quarterback situation, regardless of who was out there. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is the better player. He is the starter in Baltimore. There's no there's no quarterback controversy, regardless of what we've seen on the internet over these past couple days here, but. It's nice to know that if Jackson isn't able to go, if he's at you know 60%, 75% and the Ravens say, you know what, it's not worth the risk of re-injury, then Huntley has proven over these past couple weeks weeks in week 11 against Chicago that he's someone who can lead this team to victory, can keep them in games. He's improved each and every week. He has a similar skill set to Lamar Jackson, so the Ravens offense doesn't have to change dramatically for him. He's struggled a bit with deep ball accuracy, he's had receivers open and he's overshot them or... Underthrown them at times as well so he, he's no perfect player he's still very young but i still think if jackson is at 80 percent, he's obviously the better player and i think that the ravens like that skill is what they need but at the same time the ravens saw a situation in week one with ronnie stanley where stanley was brought back from the ankle injury that he suffered in uh, middle of the year in 2020 really gruesome injury and he just did not look right at all he clearly was not 100 the ravens put him in there There are two things that happen when you put a guy back out there that's not 100% healthy. One, the product on the field just is not good enough to the point where it hurts the team on the field, whether it be contributing to a loss or negative plays or whatnot. And two, the risk for injury is real, and now Stanley is done for the season, and he will have played one game in the last year and a half by the time 2022 rolls around. So the Ravens are going to play it cautious. They've done that all season with their players. If Jackson plays, he gives the Ravens the better chance to win. But the key caveat there, it's if he is healthy for this Ravens team. And I think it's big because the mood in Baltimore right now, after three straight losses, they've lost their last three games by a combined four points. They're out of the playoffs completely now. If they started today, they were in the AFC North lead. Now they drop down to number eight and out of that playoff picture. So the mood in Baltimore is getting a little shaky right now. People are they want Lamar Jackson back because they know he's the better player. At least most of them do. And I know I'm one of those people, but I'm interested to hear guys. What's the mood in Cincinnati right now? You you catapult up to back in first place in the AFC North. This team is exceeding expectations this year. Joe Burrow's looking good. Jamar Chase obviously seems to be the right pick there in that 2021 draft. What's the mood like in Cincinnati right now, as they head into a very pivotal matchup against these Baltimore Ravens.
2: I'm going to answer Kevin's question about the mood. Here in the Queen City, but first I got to tell you about On Location because Super Bowl is 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away. And On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It's the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. You can select your exact seats, choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. It's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl
0: on location. And I'm going to tell you a bit about Bet Online. They have you covered this holiday season. They have more props, odds, and lies never before as football continues. It's March through the College Bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online Store means your number one spot for all the sports action this season. You can head to the website or use a mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing new offers. Bet online, where the game starts.
2: So, Kevin, you asked about the mood in Cincinnati, and uh, it's it's different for a few reasons, right? It's uncharted territory for Zach Taylor, uncharted territory for this franchise over the past half decade in the playoff hunt. Late December, first place in the AFC North as we're talking right now, and so I think people are excited. But they also almost have their guard up a little bit. And Sunday's a big game, I think, for uh, the Bengals to show everybody, including <laughs> fans in Cincinnati, that they are for real this year and that they aren't just a little ahead of schedule and they're not going to just flirt with the playoffs and then let, let the uh, the fan base down and, and lay an egg at the end. And um, the reason, the main reason I would say that is their past couple home games. I mean, they're barely clearing... 50,000 in attendance and earlier in the year you're talking 60,000 high so you know in, in it close to sellouts and that hasn't been the case over the past couple home games and they lost both of those games for what it's worth but they're coming off of a win against denver and uh and so i think people are excited ish cautiously optimistic but not enough to where they fully bought in that this team is going to make a playoff run and i do you mentioned it. Jamar Chase, Joe Bro. Like I think they have the talent to do so, but they've been so up and down. Win two, then lose to the Jets, and then get blown out by the Browns. And then you come back and you win two from the bye, and then you lose two at home. And so it's been a roller coaster of a season for Zach Taylor's crew. And I think if they win on Sunday, people will really start to to taste it almost the potential AFC North division championship for the first time since 2015. So I think people are excited. I'm not saying you're not Bengals fans. Don't crush me. But I think that they're they're cautiously optimistic in their excitement because they've been let down before and uh, they want the Bengals to prove a little bit more.
0: Right. And what a huge game this, this is. I, I really think this makes or breaks the Ravens season, at least because from a Ravens perspective, Obviously, Cincinnati won the first matchup. If they win the second matchup, they have that clear head-to-head tiebreaker. There's no debating. You also have Baltimore's division record move to 1-4, and which is just not where you want to be heading into that one Week 16 matchup with the Rams at home, and then Week 18 against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home in what could be Ben Roethlisberger's final game in the NFL, depending on the Steelers' playoff status. So... I think for both teams, this is probably the biggest game of the season based off playoff implications, based off of saying, hey, look, we're for real, we're, you know, pretenders, contenders this season for either. And I'm interested because the Ravens, I mentioned, they've lost their last three games by a combined four points. The Ravens seemingly get in those close games. The the, the Ravens do not let their fans off easy. It's always the heart is pumping, the blood is flowing. Uh, how have the Bengals performed in close games this season? If this was... The fourth quarter, we're talking four minutes, three minutes left, two-minute drill. How confident would you be that Cincinnati could pull off a victory or drive down the field or stop the Ravens on third down based off what they've done in close games this year?
1: Well, in previous years, I would have said, I'm not confident at all. Coming into this year, Zach Taylor could not buy a win in a close game. And his one-score record was... You know, one a reason that there was some hope for regression this year, which we've seen a little bit, and and two uh, was cause for concern that the coaching staff couldn't get the team into a place or into the right looks or into the right situations to close out games. More confident probably in the offense and the defense. Joe Burrow has been playing excellent football in the last few weeks and isn't really putting the ball in danger. Lately, they had a couple of turnovers that really killed them against San Francisco a couple weeks ago. Those both came in the punt return game. And Joe Burrow didn't end up putting the ball on the ground on a on a sack, but you know, you're probably not in that situation if you can just catch punts. And now they've got a guy, Trent Taylor, up from the practice squad doing a good job of catching punts and not putting them on the ground. The defense, on the other hand, is a bit of a mystery still. They've been good this year. Don't get me wrong, but They haven't necessarily had that clutch closeout gene trait consistently this year. In 2021, the Bengals, I believe, are 3-4 and in one-score games after the one-score victory over the Denver Broncos last week when they were able to close out the game. But the Bengals simply were not scared of Drew Locke and that Broncos offense. And apparently, rightfully so, as the Broncos went backwards on their last drive of the game when they needed a touchdown to try to take the lead as that game was in the fourth quarter toward the end. So it depends on what kind of team the Ravens can field. I think on Sunday, if it's Tyler Huntley and your fifth through eighth wide receivers and, you know, your, your old man running backs because everybody at running back for the Ravens has been hurt. Well, then the Bengals might not be too scared of that and and fans might not be too scared of that on defense. But at the same time, the, the interesting thing to me is the Ravens have played all these close games this year. The Steelers have played all these close games this year and the Bengals have blown these teams out three times combined twice the Steelers once the Ravens. and so is that going to happen again? or are these teams will, will wink Martindale have learned his lesson? Well will Mark or will, will, will Roman sorry well will, will uh, the, the Ravens offense have adapted to what they saw from the Bengals' defense. But for me, the bigger question is, you've seen a little bit more zone defense from the Ravens in the last few weeks. I think there's some recognition that you don't have the dudes to play defense the way Martindale wants to play defense. And I I thought that Martindale was stubborn the first time the Bengals played the Ravens and stuck with his guys and said, you know what, they're not going to keep beating us. They're not going to keep beating us. And then his guys just kept getting beat and Burrow kept punishing the blitz. Now there's an another interesting split that's Joe Burrow hasn't been as good against the blitz in the last few weeks as he was at the beginning of the season. What do you think we're going to get from this Ravens defense, assuming the game isn't postponed and there's like, a reasonable return for some random amount of players. Is, is there going to be an adaptation from Wink Martindale in the defensive game plan from the Ravens?
0: Yeah, well, it's funny, Jake, you mentioned stubborn because Don Martindale has been called that before over the course of this season. Another example of that is in week one against the Raiders, where on Monday night football, you had a defense that really couldn't stop anything. And the Ravens weren't not blitzing in every single play it was you know cover zero rushing six doing whatever and the Raiders kept beating it and beating it and beating it and Don Martindale who was known to be a very aggressive blitzer kept doing it he kept going back to it and the last play of the game the Ravens send a cover zero look and Zay Jones is wide open for a touchdown and that's how that game ends so I think in this game what we saw yeah we've seen more of that zone defense I think you're down Marlon Humphrey you're down Marcus Peters you're down to Sean Elliott you know, you don't have those all pro corners anymore. You have to do a lot more with wh- whether it be simplifying the defense, the size disguising coverage in a simpler way for these younger practice squad players to understand the Ravens had Robert Jackson who didn't play defensive snap all season up until week 15 on Devontae Adams for half the game. And that's not a matchup you want. So the Ravens were literally putting two guys on him in those, really interesting and unique coverages where, you know, Aaron Rodgers said after the game, that's the ultimate level of respect. So maybe the Ravens go back to what Jamar Chase based off what he did to them in week seven. But I think, yeah, the, the Ravens, I think remember that game in week seven, they understand that, look, they got embarrassed at home by a Cincinnati team that, you know, the Ravens had gotten the better of over the past couple of seasons. And I think a, a lot of Ravens fans overlooked them and said uh, this, you know, the Ravens beat down Joe Burrow. And well, Brian Finley, the other time, twice last season, and it'll be a cakewalk. The Bengals have retooled their defense. The defense has been surprisingly good this year. I've been very impressed. I thought Mike Hilton, again, one of my favorite slots in the league, a tremendous addition for them. But the Ravens defense is going to have to figure out one, how to make the Bengals one-dimensional and stop Joe Mixon, mixing in a couple of big runs late in that game that really sealed the deal. If they can stop Mixon early, focus some of their resources on the pass game, the Ravens rush defense has been very good. But it's a matter of being able to stop the Bengals' run game, focus resources on Jamar Chase. In terms of blitzing Joe Burrow, I, th- I think they will try it. But if it's not working, I think you have to kind of back off a little bit. And that's something where we've seen Don Martin, they'll do it. We've also seen him not do it. But against Aaron Rodgers, the Ravens were literally dropping everybody. They were rushing three, rushing four. And guys were still getting wide open because the Ravens are just so shot at cornerback right now. It's tough to really gauge who will be out there this week. But at the end of the day, look, the Bengals are a talented offense. They have the pieces to move the football down the field time and time again against the depleted Ravens defense. It hasn't been good against the pass all season. This isn't just a injury thing. They haven't been good all year, and you can date it back to Marcus Peters being lost. But yeah, the Ravens defense will have to throw some different looks at Joe Burrow. Try to con- try to confuse a young quarterback because like the first time Burrow absolutely got the better of the Ravens defense.
2: Do you think they're going to treat Jamar that way? Cause the past month, let's say it's been the T Higgins show. And then last week was the Tyler Boyd show. And that that's the part of it is I think these defenses, especially after that Baltimore game round one, where Jamar just goes off. I think NFL defenses are like, all right, that's fine. We're going to throw all these resources at Jamar, but The past month, he hasn't been the most productive wide receiver on this team in any of the games, and it's been these other guys. Not that he hasn't produced, but not to that level. Are they going to throw it at Jamar? Are they going to try? Maybe you try to take away T or Boyd, or or what do you think it's still going to be? Let's try to take away
0: number one. Well, I think they're definitely going to try to throw at least more at Jamar Chase than they did Mm -hmm. in Week 7. But I think with this Bengals team, you have to respect those other weapons. You know, Tyler Boyd, T. T Higgins, even C.J. Uzoma, who torched the Ravens' defense in Week 7. So they have a lot of guys who can make things happen for them. And uh, I don't know if they're going to necessarily put two defenders on Chase the whole game, but what we saw with Devontae Adams was they said, all right, we're going to cover Devontae Adams. We're going to shut him down as best we can you beat us somewhere else. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a big game and Alan Lazard made his catches. So maybe it's the same thing with the Bengals where the Ravens say, we're going to try to shut down Jamar Chase, put the resources there. And if T Higgins and Tyler board are the guys to beat us, then those are the guys to beat us. And I think that's really interesting just because you have to respect all the offensive firepower the Bengals have accumulated over the years. And that's where I think this team really has to decide who are we going to stop, who are we going to put one-on-one and who's going to be the guy that we we're going to say, all right, Cincinnati beat us with this guy. But this is a huge matchup guys. One that, again, as I said, can define either team season. Do you think that assuming they play on Sunday, you know, early predictions of who you think comes out on top in this one, is it Cincinnati? Is it Baltimore? Who who do you think it is?
1: I'll say this James, because I know you're, you're our predictions guy. The Ravens are so beat down and so injury ravaged in this game; it, it just doesn't even feel like the Ravens team. Like they're wearing the same jerseys, they got the same coaches. Some of the players are the same, but I mean, the the Bengals are looking at playing a shadow of Baltimore's roster that somehow managed to stay in games. And so that's that's a part that that is interesting to me. Is that despite how depleted the Ravens have been, you can't overlook it because they've been staying scrappy and in these games until late
2: yeah that, that's the part of it that that's tough because i think on paper you'd say all right beat up raven's team lamar at less than 100 or tyler huntley as well as he's played you probably take burrow and company but they just went blow for blow with aaron Rodgers in in the green bay packers and i know that was at home and that that changes things a little bit but does it really? (laughs) Like, I I think that that was, uh, they showed me a lot there. So this is going to be a really tough game. I think it's encouraging that Mixon was able to practice Wednesday. I was kind of surprised by that. Um, but that's uh, a big piece of it too. So I probably lean Bengals as of now, but, uh, that could change. Maybe, uh, Lamar Jackson gets, uh, some treatment on that ankle and is 100% because he's a freak when he's out there. I know that. And, uh, if he's out there, I think that this game could be a toss-up, if he's healthy, of course. Kevin, what do yeah. you think?
0: It's it's so many. Well, one, it'll be interesting to see who's actually out there for the Ravens on Sunday or whatever day, if the game is postponed. Hopefully, we're not looking at that, though. For for the Ravens, they've shown up when it matters. This matters. I, I'm going to say Ravens. I've said it all week, but it really is a 50-50 game where – if the Ravens are down to their eighth cornerback, if they're trotting us three out there on Sunday, like, you know, who, who's going to be playing for them? Because if they can get, Chuck I'm available
2: back, by the big, way. Yes,
0: I am too. You know, we can, we can I- go I'll up jump there. ship.
2: I'll wear Ravens <laughs> right now. If they pay me a game check. Sorry, please do. On Bengals listeners. No, no, no. I'm ready to go. You're doing
1: us a favor. The, the lockdown <laughs> Bengals family here, James, go, go try to man up Jamar Chase, please please
0: i'd love there, it. there there are plenty of positions there's
2: nothing i can't do with no bars <laughs> there's
0: nothing <laughs> Let's eat three of those three of those in your set you know there are plenty of positions to to pick from you could even double you could go offense and defense you could even do both so i'm going to say ravens in a close like literally one point victory uh, final score i don't know but the reason i'm picking them is because they've showed up when it matters and that's why i'm going with baltimore Although. Again, hopefully we get a game on Sunday. That's the key part.
2: Yeah, all I want know, for I do, Christmas. I, Sorry, James. Yeah, no, you're good. I, I would give them the advantage. Like if you go advantages, they get the advantage special teams wise. They have the advantage uh, coaching wise. Still, even though you know the Bengals are in a good so that that alone, late December, that coaching staff's been there, done that. Justin Tucker, been there, done that. Great punter, got a shot.
1: All I want for Christmas is an on-time Bengals-Ravens game. We'll see if we'll get one. Thanks for listening to the Locked on Bengals-Locked on Ravens crossover part two. We'll look forward to summarizing these games after they happen on Sunday. We'll be back tomorrow on both Locked on Bengals and Locked on Ravens for our final episode before this second AFC North tilt as the fate of the division hangs in the balance. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Bengals-Locked On Ravens Crossover.